what better way to start your day than with the bagpipes? And welcome to another episode of the Westlake podcast. And I'm delighted to be joined today by Nick Papagiorgio. Hi, everyone. Now, I think everyone would agree that COVID is a challenging time at the moment, not least for churches, but this is by no means the first challenging time the church or the worldwide church has faced. And we're going to talk about just such a time. Nick and I are going to spend some time over the next few months talking about some of the historic moments in the life of the church, some of those periods that turned the church around in some ways. And one of those was the Arian controversy. Tell us about that, Nick. Okay. Uh, The Arian controversy is named after a guy called Arius, who was a presbyter of a church in Alexandria back in the fourth century. So this is way back. So around that time, there was a discussion happening among the leaders of the church about how to put together the idea that the Bible talks about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, There was a lot of discussion, a lot of debate as to what exactly that entailed. And more or less what happened was that most people fell into roughly two camps. The first camp was one where they would think that there was indeed a difference between the father and the son. And there was another camp that uh, reacted to that and said, well, no, if you push the differences too much, then you end up with, well, not a monotheistic religion as is Christianity. You, You end up violating the unity of God. And you go back to effectively polytheism. Yes, yes. So um, are we talking about one God, two gods? Are we talking about a, a hierarchy of gods? What's going on? Yeah. So this was, this was kind of the background and the setting to what became a, the defining controversy of the fourth century. In the, just before all this, there was one of the church fathers called Origen. And he tried to settle this debate by saying that Well, if you look at the Father and the Son in the Bible, they are one, but they are one in the sense that there's an element of submission within them. Uh, The the Father says things and the Son submits, and that's how he tried to sort of resolve that. The problem with these ideas is that often, especially in theology, uh, ideas that seem to be kind of working in the beginning, if you start thinking and chewing on them, they, they end up in more spurious conclusions and more difficult conclusions. They take you places you don't particularly want to go. Yes, and that's something that happened uh, at the time. So after Origin, his ideas were picked up by a guy called Lucian, who kind of seemed to have a little formation of a few little disciples there with this idea. And then the next time we encounter this, the echoes of Origin's uh, idea of, of the submission of the sun is in the mouth of a pretty popular preacher of the time called Arius, hence Aaron Controversy. Uh, He was in Alexandria in Egypt, and his sermons would propose that Jesus Christ was not equal to God. He was not God, but he was rather created. He was a very high and exalted being, but he was actually created. And as far as he was concerned, that didn't seem to pose any particular problems. However, it stirred up the waters. This wasn't something that the church had really thought about uh, systematically very much before this time. You know, it's, it's usually controversies like these that precipitate our thinking and, and force us to formulate our ideas about what do we actually believe. Well, this was one of those cases. And what happened was that there was a reaction, especially from the bishop of Alexandria. So essentially, Arius's boss. Now, this guy was named Alexander. So Alexander of Alexandria. 
just to be confusing. Um, and he really uh, took a stringent defense against uh, Arius and said, no, Jesus is, is equal to God. He's, uh, he's uh, the same as him. And Arius saw that as sort of an, an attempt towards modalism, which is another kind of idea that God changes characters. He's not three persons, but he kind of changes characters. And he's either the father or the son. And he just kind of is like a quick so switch. The father is the son, is the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And he just appears in different modes at different points. Hence modalism. Thank you, Martin. Um, so the, the controversy broke out and then it became significant enough to draw the attention of the emperor, who at the time was... Uh, the man we call Constantine the Great. Now, the, what was different about Constantine the, the Great was that he was the first emperor to at least profess to be a Christian. Yes. His, his whole idea was that there was a civil war before, uh, a few years before, and he nearly saw his empire torn apart. And he didn't want to see that again. And as a new Christian and bringing this whole new religion into the courts, well, maybe, you know, I don't want to see my religion torn apart. So off he went and got involved in this. And this was unique because it was really the first time that the church really appealed to the powers that be, to the emperor, to actually resolve what was essentially a theological issue. But fast forward a few years, and before you know it, we are at the Council of Nicaea. This is a conference that Constantine called. He put it put it across all the churches of the time. Invited. All the bishops were invited to come. Yeah, so the, we estimate there were about maybe 1,900 bishops at the time. I think the but, only ones who didn't come, I think, were from Britain, funnily enough. Yeah, yeah. maybe Always the, independent. Maybe the weather was bad and the kids, <laughs> I don't know. Out of all these invitations, about 300, we think, uh, bishops or so arrived at, at Nicaea, which was just close to Constantinople, where the, the emperor's throne was. And they, they arrived there in, um, in 325 to have this council. Now, we don't really know much about how they used to progress, especially back then. We've got some ideas, and most of them seem to be kind of preemptively decided. Leader would make a statement, and then they'd say there'd be a, some kind of response, and then they'd be like, well, this is it. And then everybody would yell, we agree, for like an hour or so, and then that's it. Which is, you know, a great way to have... Uh, consensus in the church sounds like but, a Westlake members meeting exactly it? yes All right. so but this council seemed to be very different it seemed to include a lot of debate we don't have the minutes for it so we yeah. don't know exactly what was debated we have some ideas so what happened was there was a lot of back and forth a lot of different camps you know it's often painted in popular culture that it was sort of the orthodox good christians on one side and the evil heretic arians on the other side it wasn't really that it was more a concern of how to put together the the relationship of the father and the son specifically. And um, what happened was that there was really just this concern about how to put these two together without violating the unity of God on one hand, and at the same time, not taking away from the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Because you see, if Jesus is not God, then what good is his sacrifice? If he's just created as a being then that's just, well, it's like anybody dying on the cross. That, that creates a lot of problems. And Arius, he seemed to be a little bit obstinate because he, he just didn't seem to have any problem with that. He just didn't see why that would be an issue. And so what happened was, in the end, the council decided against Arius uh, overwhelmingly. Yes. In fact, there was some exile involved and stuff like that. What, what most people don't, don't know is that the, the council was settled then, but the issue was far from settled. It went on for almost 60 years. The original people died and a new generation came up and they kept discussing things. 
And there are a lot of terms associated with this controversy, things like substance and essence. And all these things had to do with whether or not Jesus is of the same essence or substance with the Father, or whether or not he wasn't. And after uh, about 60 years of conversations and debates, and long after Constantine had, had passed, the, the church, in a consensus, published what we call today the Nicene Creed. And in that, you can see very explicitly the corrections and the, the positions of the, what we call the Trinitarian camp. You can see that uh, how they're talking about Jesus being of the same substance of the same essence as, as the father uh you can see how he's god he's truly god uh one with god uh begotten not created and so forth yeah and so whereas arius said there was a time when the son was not meaning that he had been created the nicene creed says of the son he is eternally begotten of the father god from god light from light true god from true god begotten not made of the same essence as the father or of one being with the father and that really is aiming back at this dispute with Arius isn't it yeah yeah now Nick this is far from a dry historical issue is it I, I received an email today from a member of the church who had received a letter in the post from uh, the Jehovah's Witness organization asking her to go to their website, read some of their materials. And of course, Jehovah's Witnesses are Arians. They believe that Jesus Christ is a created being. So Arians have not disappeared. And this remains an issue in the world. Yeah, yeah. Other reasons, Nick, why it matters for today. I mean, I was thinking it matters because of who we worship, doesn't it? You know, if Jesus is created, Ultimately, we shouldn't worship him. If he's not created, if he is the eternal God, then he is worthy of our worship. Yeah. And, and also all the statements in the Gospel of John, for example, about I and the Father are one, things Indeed. like that. Absolutely. Thomas kneeling and saying, my Lord and my, oh my, my God. God. Yeah. What do you do with those things when Jesus, we know, was, was uh, worshipped as God in their early church and by the people around yeah. Paul's time, especially? Yeah. And, and it tells us something about the character of God, doesn't it? That if God just sends a created being to die for us, that says something very different about God than if he himself comes and bears our sin upon himself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is, you know, Trinitarian theology can become very abstract and speculative and dry. But what many Christians don't realize is how intricately it's tied up with the heart of the gospel. Yeah. You know, the, the idea of Jesus coming on uh, to, to die for us, how was that decided? When was that decided? Mm. That all has to do with the Trinity. Yeah. Um, and, and of course, if God is three persons, one essence, that also tells us that when God talks about love and that God is love, God knows what love is. So he's, this is not... eternally existed in this community of love where the Father and the Son love each other and with the Holy Spirit. And yeah. this is not just a technical thing for the Father to love us. He is love because the Godhead has eternally existed yeah. in these relationships of love. Yeah. So the controversy in many ways is not really over, but at least we have a consensus of what we call the orthodox slice of the church. Yeah. Uh, it's a, the, the Nicene Creed is, is one of the few things affirmed by pretty much all the major denominations, yeah. uh, orthodox, Catholic, Protestant, uh, evangelical. 
So if somebody wants to deviate from it, then they are going against 1700 years of Christian consensus. That's not a small yeah. task. Yeah. This is a huge, huge event in Christian history, not just theologically, but also how do we do church? How do we relate to the powers that be, to the authorities? And how we wrestle with scripture. And I think it would be, it would be right to say that it isn't that the Council of Nicaea or the subsequent Nicene Creed invented the idea of the Trinity, but that the church correctly interpreted what the Bible teaches yeah. and how God has eternally existed. This isn't something they invented. It was something they recognized as being true and then wrote down and formulated. Yeah, no, if, if somebody, if you are willing to go through the, the debates and the, the writings of the time, you'll see how scripture saturated they were. Honestly, it was, it was really an attempt to figure out, to put together biblical teaching and formulate it in a way that can be said to be, this is correct doctrine. This is what the Bible actually teaches about God, his nature and his relationship to the Son and the Holy Spirit later on. And maybe just to finish up, Nick, if on the Arian side there was Arius, of course on the Trinitarian side there was Athanasius and this wonderful man of God who was actually junior to Arius but who took the fight to him and of course you know we know Athanasius for a number of reasons for his own creed actually but with with that wonderful saying you know the whole world can be against Athanasius so Athanasius is against the whole world and it doesn't matter what anyone else is saying but if the word of God says it then I'm going to stand on it even if I'm the only one who does yeah and we really do stand on these guys shoulders don't we men like Athanasius also a little interesting myth, I think. St. Nicholas of Christmas time was at the Council of Nicaea and oh. apparently slapped Arius around the face as a heretic. Who would have imagined that St. Nicholas, Santa Claus, yeah. would slap a heretic? This is, I actually did a little research on this uh, further on, and apparently it seems to be actually the case. And um, you know, a lot of people look at this as some kind of heroic moment, uh, but he actually did get in a lot of trouble. He nearly lost his bishopry over this. He got in a lot of trouble. St. St. Nicholas. Yeah, yeah. So Nicholas actually, Admira, who yeah, was, yeah. we might point out, a genuine bishop and a very godly man. Yeah, yeah. Normally, when he wasn't slapping people. When he was... <laughs> Yes, he was. So, but he felt that uh, he was listening to this Aryan talk and, and he felt that it was such an affront to his Lord that he had to react and he reacted in the form of a slap kids don't do this at home um so yeah so apparently that seems to be true um but certainly not an example to imitate uh, in in christian context but yes just that's just to show these councils were not boring and dry there was shouting there was there was um physicality robust debate as yes. they call it yes indeed well nick Thank you so much. Eternally begotten from the Father, God from God, light of light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Nick, and God bless everyone.